Good morning. My name is Bob Hartline, and the scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him, because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Hey Grace242, Pastor Bill here. A few years ago, the musical artist Weird Al Yankovic came out with a song called Mission Statements. Here's a little bit of that song. We must all efficiently operationalize our strategies, invest in world-class technology, and leverage our core competencies in order to holistically administrate exceptional synergy. <laughs> Here's a little bit more of the song. I have to read it because of YouTube's rules, but he says, at the end of the day, we must monetize our assets, the fundamentals of change. Can you visualize a value-added experience that will grow the business infrastructure and monetize our assets? <laughs> and then it goes on, monetize our assets. <laughs> I love all the jargon, the business jargon that this is making fun of. Weird Al is clearly, yeah, poking fun at this corporate business jargon. And his song reminds me of the core values of one particular Christian denomination. Now, I don't have time to read all of the core values to you because they're so full of business jargon, but here's a snapshot. One core value is the complete local. And they describe this as by saying, the strength of our movement is how we create nimble environments for churches to flourish in their unique kingdom calling, demonstrated by our efficient structures that maximize each church's identity and effectiveness, our creativity to embolden and develop a variety of distinct missional expressions, our adamant belief that the stronger each church is, the stronger we all are. Ugh. To me, a lot of all this sounds just like this. Now I'm poking fun at business jargon because these are instances where Weird Al's making fun of it and, and that denomination's core value, that was just one core value, went completely overboard on the business jargon. But I bring up mission statements because many of you know that last weekend, Grace 242's elders and deacons were on a retreat. And on that retreat, we were looking at the mission statement, we were deliberating over the mission statement, we were taking ownership of the mission statement, and then we spent the rest of our time planning how we could execute that mission statement throughout 2021 and beyond. 
and we've made a few tweaks to the mission statement. So I'm excited to reveal to you that mission statement today, and this is Grace 242's mission statement, and hopefully it doesn't sound anything like the Charlie Brown teachers. Here's Grace 242's mission statement. It says, Grace 242, being, making, and multiplying disciples. Now many of you might have noticed it already, but there's two differences with this tweaked statement. The first is that we've added ing to each one of the verbs, implying that these are not only things that have already happened, they are happening now and will continue to happen in the future. I personally like this immediacy that's brought to each one of these words by adding ing. We've added ing to each verb and the second change is that we've added a third word, being. As a leadership, we were discussing the word disciple and what that meant. And as we discussed, we coalesced around this idea that in order to make other disciples, you need to be a disciple of Jesus yourself first. If you're going to replicate your life of following Jesus in the lives of others, then first you need to be following Jesus. I like this word being because it implies that discipleship begins with your life of following Jesus. You must first be a disciple before you can make other disciples who multiply other disciples. If discipleship is about reproducing your life of following Jesus in the lives of others, then you need to be a disciple of Jesus yourself first. Now, I would not consider myself an audiophile, but I likely know more than the average bear does on this subject. And in the audio world, everything hinges on the quality of the source material. Simply put, bad source material, bad audio quality. The digital world is this balancing act between quality and file size. So let's say that I take a CD that I've bought from the store and I'm going to rip the files off of that audio CD into a file on my computer and I don't compress the file at all. It's just going to be straight from the CD, uncompressed WAV file. Since CDs have a bitrate of 1,411 kilobytes per second, this means an uncompressed rip would result in a .wav file that's 1,411 kilobytes per second. Now each song is going to sound great because it's the same quality as the CD. But the problem is that the file size is going to be huge because it's uncompressed. It's all the data from the CD. But I don't have unlimited storage space. So I want to make those files smaller. So often what happens is the file gets compressed into a .mp3 file. This will sacrifice some quality, but I'll get a smaller file that won't take up so much hard drive space. So instead of the file taking up maybe 50 megabytes on my storage, the file is only going to take up about 7 megabytes. Now 320 kilobytes per second is the highest quality MP3. And then you can go down from there all the way down to something like 128 kilobits per second or sometimes even 96 kilobits per second. But once you get down to those lower bit rates, you start to hear the degradation in quality. But let's say that I record a song off a Spotify free account stream. I set my software on my computer to record as the song plays through the Spotify stream. And the free accounts of Spotify only stream at best at 128 kilobits per second. That's the best quality you can get out of a free account streaming from Spotify. So that's not very good. That's on the low end. And I think the default is actually 96 kilobytes per second. So I record the stream off of Spotify and I have this MP3 file on my computer that's recorded the stream. And I think that I want really good quality. I know the quality's low right now. It's 96 or 128 kilobytes. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna up the quality, right? So I put that into my audio converter and I set my audio converter for a higher bit rate for MP3 of 320 kilobits per second. And I run that conversion. Well, the problem is 
is now I've essentially placed a 128 kilobits per second audio file into a 320 kilobits per second audio file. And it's a complete waste of hard drive space because I'm getting a bigger file, but I'm not getting any better quality. The quality will always be at best 128 kilobits per second because that's what I started with in the first place. My source material was 128 kilobits per second, so I can't get any better than that. All this to say that it all comes down to source material. If I start with a great source material like a CD that I've purchased from the store, I can convert down to a smaller file size, keep a high kilobits per second as I compress the file, and it's still going to sound great. But I can't take bad source material like a Spotify stream and get better quality out of it. I will always be only as good as the source material itself. And I think about this because I apply this to discipleship. We need to start with good source material. It starts with you. It's got to start with a, a true life, a dedicated life of following Jesus. How is your life of following Jesus? Are you following Jesus yourself? If you're not pursuing a life of following Jesus yourself, how can you make and multiply other followers of Jesus? You can't. It all depends on the source material. You can't reproduce a life of following Jesus in someone else if you're not following Jesus yourself. It all starts with you being a disciple of Jesus. It all starts with good source material. And today, we go to the greatest source material there is, the one who taught us this mission, the one who modeled it and gave it to us. We go to Jesus Christ himself. We go to the CD, the best, the pristine, the perfect example in Jesus Christ himself. We go to the best source material. When it comes to discipleship, the question I hear most is, Bill, where do I start? I mean, even if I wanted to do this discipleship thing, I don't even know where to begin. And the answer is, you start with being a disciple of Jesus yourself. It starts with being a follower of Jesus yourself. You go to the source material, the best, the pristine example of Jesus, the perfect example. We are imperfect examples. Jesus is a perfect example. You go to the perfect source material of Jesus himself and follow him first yourself. We're going to look at this perfect source material of Jesus and we're going to see that he lives his life in three dimensions. Let's look, look at his example in Luke 6, verse 12, and we'll look at this first dimension of his life. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. The first and most important dimension of Jesus' life is the up dimension. It is his upward relationship with God from which his entire life flows. Jesus needs to be constantly connected with his Father. He routinely refreshes and renews himself by getting away from the rigors of life to be with his Father. After this message, something to discuss in your house churches is, where else in the Gospels do we see Jesus intentionally pulling away from the rigors of life to be with his Father? Last week's prayer service took the shape of a hexagon, which is based off of the Lord's Prayer. And here's how Jesus teaches us to begin those prayers. Here's what he says in Matthew 6 verse 9. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. Now often we just kind of say this rote because we've said this how many times, or, or maybe we just sort of think of it as like an address that we're or a greeting to our prayers, but there is some big theological significance behind Jesus addressing his prayer with our Father. By saying our Father, Jesus is saying to us, in the same way that I experience intimacy with my dad, 
I want that same intimacy for you as also sons and daughters of the Father. I am a son of the Father, but you also, my people, are sons and daughters of the Father. And you can experience the same intimacy with the Father that I experience. And I want that for all of you. He wants us to have the same deep and abiding up relationship with the Father that he had. Let's go back to Luke 6, and we're going to continue with verses 13 to 16. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names, Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus is choosing his disciples, these 12 men who would be closest to him. He is assembling his immediate community. This is the in dimension to Jesus' life. Jesus is inviting these 12 men into his life and it is in these 12 men that Jesus will reproduce his life. Look at Mark 3:14. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach. Jesus invited these men into his life. As Mark says, they would accompany him. And in accompanying Jesus, they would become like Jesus. Jesus invites these 12 men to be his friend group, to do life with him. What about you? Who's in your inner circle or huddle, as it were? Who are the closest people to you? Who are the friends that you spend most of your time with? Jesus chose his closest friends with the mission in mind, with the intention of reproducing his own life in them. Has the mission ever entered into the friend space in your life? Do you view yourself as a reproducer of Jesus followers in your friend space, or as being with your friends purely recreational? Is there a friend of yours who might be open to having your life of following Jesus reproduced in them? Is there a friend of yours who's intrigued with a life of following Jesus? Mark 3.14 says that the disciples would accompany Jesus, and in accompanying Jesus, they would become like Jesus. And by becoming like Jesus, he would then send them out to preach. So Jesus invites them in to his life with the intention of sending them out. Back to our texts in Luke 6, and we're going to read verses 17 to 19. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the sea coasts of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. Coming down from the mountain, coming down from spending time with his father, Jesus ministered to the crowds. This is the out dimension of Jesus' life. Jesus' relationship with the Father is modeled to his disciples so that they can go out and invite others into relationship with the Father as well. Here's how Mike Breen summarizes all of this in his book, Building a Discipling Culture. Jesus never lost sight of his Father's vision to reach out to a dark and dying world. Jesus prayed to his Father before calling a team of people to share in the kingdom work. Jesus chose from the larger crowd of disciples a group who would become his friends, and he lived out his life in their presence. But he also walked among the crowds, teaching, feeding, healing, comforting. Jesus did not wait for the spiritually dead to come to him. He went to them and ministered to them, 
at their point of need. Jesus commissions his disciples into the out dimension before he ascends in Acts 1 verse 8. Here's what Jesus says right before he ascends to go back to the Father. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is up with the Father so that he is refreshed and renewed and recalibrated to be in with his disciples, training them to go out into the wider world. Discipleship starts with us being a follower of Jesus first. Following Jesus means that we're routinely up, refreshing and renewing ourselves by spending time with God and taking a break from the rigors of life. Following Jesus means that we're intentionally reproducing our lives of following Jesus in those who are closest to us, those who are open to us. And following Jesus means that we are living our faith out in the world. I want you to take some time to look at your life through this three-dimensional triangle, through the source material of Jesus' life. Spend some time in your house churches talking about where you're strong on the triangle. What areas do you naturally gravitate toward? And then spend some time talking about areas that you tend to avoid, maybe some areas that need more attention in your life. Maybe you're naturally an up person, and you don't miss morning coffee and Bible reading for anything. Talk about what the up looks like in your lives. Maybe someone else in your house church would benefit from hearing how you practice the discipline of up. Maybe you naturally gravitate toward in, and if it was possible, you'd have dinner with people in your home every single night of the week. But maybe you've never thought of those dinner parties as a mission field. Maybe you've never thought of friends as people in whom you can reproduce your life of following Jesus if they're open to it. Or maybe you're a natural out person, and you're living your faith out loud, you're out there volunteering, helping others, reaching out, inviting others in. Maybe you're deathly afraid of out. Maybe you don't even know what out would look like in your life. Maybe someone in your house church would benefit from hearing what out looks like in someone else's life in your house church. Take some time to talk through the triangle in your own lives. And next week we'll continue applying the mission statement, being, making, and multiplying disciples of Jesus. See you next time, Grace 242.